Welcome to Exploring Reality, a branch of Forerunners of America. And Than, we just launched the Exploring Reality wing uh, last week. How does it feel? Good. I am very excited. I'm actually really excited to see some of the questions that you guys have been asking me, and I'm going to see what I can answer for everybody. And again, ask Than any question where? Uh, on the Exploring Reality wing of the website. And then yeah. there's a little tab that'll just say, ask a question. Mm-hmm. And I'll be picking out of the, the hat, so to speak, of what I'll be answering. Awesome. And so again, forerunnersofamerica.org and look for Exploring Reality and you're in. Um, so Than, uh, in our last video, we just defined deconstruction. We looked at people, prominent people in uh, in the body of Christ that have essentially reevaluated the faith and decided, no, I'm not going to be a Christian anymore, okay? Yep. So today we want to shift into um, why, like what are the reasons why behind yeah. people that have been claiming Christ for years, and again, even iconic figures suddenly saying, I'm, not, I'm no longer a Christian. So let's just, let's just have a discussion on yeah. that, and maybe that it'll help people as we're dealing with this in our families. Yeah. So what's interesting about the, that question is, it also, these are the whys behind why non-believers are non-believers, right? Mm-hmm. The same reasons why somebody might leave the faith are going to be the same reasons why somebody might not choose to come. And so generally on a superficial level, I think there's four main things that will be motivations um, behind people either leaving the faith or not coming, but for all intents and purposes, we'll just stick with deconversion. Um, but it seems like the four areas are culture, mm-hmm. um, evidential, evidential issues, um, I think emotional traumatic things that have to do with like religious trauma. We can dig into that some more. And then something that I think most people might not think about is even like theological and doctrinal issues and Mm -hmm. i can expand on that some more too but those are like the main prongs really of why i think people will deconstruct um and the undergirding obviously with all of that is a lack of education and um focus on those areas in general within the church right so that first one culture let's just talk about that what does it look like when cultural dynamics are happening and you start to deconstruct. Right. So uh, an example of that would be something as simple as if you look at America right now, there is this huge cultural dynamic going on outside of the church. And then we have this culture within the church. And so it seems to me like the church isn't influencing culture the way it should be anymore. And we have this almost mutual exclusivity between the culture in America and the culture in the church. And then sooner or later, somebody might just not like the cult- the church culture anymore and decide, well, this looks more fun, and that's where I want to go. Um, obviously, there's more n- niche topics you can hit on with that, but that's kind of like mm-hmm. the broad look at the things. Okay, before we move on, like what would be some of um, the culture issues within the, the church culture yeah. that, that seem to be like causing people to to drift away or even reject church culture for yeah. the the broader culture. So, I mean, a, pr- a prime example would be some of the stories I've even to- I even told you in the- our last talk, where people asked questions and then they got shooed away as mm-hmm. if 
they're just coming up with excuses to sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so within church culture, we do have a small majority, in, in my opinion, of people that are loud, that will point the finger at you and act mm-hmm. self-righteous mm-hmm. Um, and stuff like that. And that pushes people away. Mm-hmm. We have some damaging views on purity, for instance, where, oh, if you even hold hands you're sinning kind of a thing and you can't have a girlfriend if until you're 20 something years old or something like that. I've seen that happen in the church. And there's a lot of like weird things going on in the church that to me seem not to be biblical and actually might be, in my opinion, forcing those standards mm-hmm. that aren't biblical might even mm-hmm. be sin, but that's beside the point. The point I'm trying to make here is there's a lot of stuff within the church culture that can actually be damaging mm-hmm. that we need to reassess ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not me saying purity isn't a good thing. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is I've seen the damage that taking purity in a biblical way and putting it all the way over here mm-hmm. can damage somebody to the point that they don't even know how to interact with somebody of the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. Um, do you get the point? Right. You know, so <clears throat> curious about this as well. Um, so we have issues that are going on in broader culture, but it seems so often that the church just refuses to address them. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's like you become so disconnected. And if I can just throw out an obvious one just for yeah. illustration, is um, right now, through 2021, the the surge of transgenderism has been wild, and even so much so that in the Olympics here that are coming up, mm-hmm. then now we have a transgen- transgender weightlifter, and he couldn't win... Uh, competition as a man, he becomes transgender as a woman, and now uh, and now he's going to be in the Olympics. Okay, or she, I guess, I guess he would say that she's a she. Yeah. But the point being is that it seems to me that when you're so like insulated, and what breaks my heart about transgenderism is one of the first teachings in Scripture. So this is a biblical topic. Yep. One of the first Scriptures is God created the male and female, and when we don't even suggest anything or teach anything on these burning issues in culture, and they are biblical issues that the church could be talking about, it just seems to me it it creates another reason why to jump ship. Yeah. um, No, that's one of the cultural topics that I feel really personally strongly about is, Mm -hmm. to me, in the church, it almost seems like we have this culture of Mm anti-intellectualism. And so when we talk about the non-believing culture, right, when, even when it comes to tra- topics like transgenderism, LGBTQ stuff, um, abortion, most of the time, or the church culture has pushed away intellectualism so much to the point that they don't actually know how to speak about these topics on the intellectual level. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to abortion, most people really just argue from the Bible. But how are you going to convince somebody that abortion is wrong if you can't even convince them that the Bible is the word of God, right? And so being able to meet somebody on their standards and being able to argue through legality rather than the Bible might be really helpful in those issues. Or, or from medical yeah. medical yeah. Whatever science. it might be. Yeah, yeah. So. Okay, so there was there's cultural issues, both culture in the church, outside the church, etc. Okay, mm-hmm. number two, you said evidentiary yep. reasons. So what does that mean? What do you do with it? Yeah, so one example might just be... Uh, we talked about it a little bit even. I believe in God because I believe in the Bible. I believe in the Bible because I believe in God. Mm-hmm. Circular reasoning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people who are like me <laughs> and they want to make sure what they believe is true and they want evidence for their beliefs, mm-hmm. um, if they're not shown reasons to believe, then why would they believe what they're told to? Mm-hmm. And so it seems like 
somebody might not have uh, have an understanding of what it means to argue for God's existence. Somebody might think, oh, we need science for it, but most most common people will say that science disproves God, but science doesn't say anything about that proposition. Right. <laughs> um, that's a philosophical topic. Mm-hmm. Um, the same thing when it comes to like the resurrection of Jesus. Most people don't know that the Gospels are actually like historical documents. The majority mm-hmm. of even mm-hmm. atheist scholars believe in some basic facts about mm-hmm. the story of Jesus being true, like the empty tomb and all these other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like talking about these issues is really important and most churches seem to miss the mark on here as well. Mm-hmm. And without this, again, undergirding mm-hmm. education for the common believer about why we believe what we believe from an evidentiary mm-hmm. standpoint, we're just... Mm-hmm. We're pretty much walking into a war without our guns. <laughs> wow. Right on. Um, you know, I remember as a young believer, and I didn't know there was such a thing, you know, as evidence. You know, mm-hmm. I, I received Christ by faith into my life to forgive my sins. That's about as deep as it went. I was 20 years old. But I remember um, shortly after that finding out, like, wow, there's people like you, Than, they're apologists. Mm-hmm. You know, you're defending the faith yep. and using reason to do it. And you know, when you're just mentioning the history, like of, of the Gospels and the Resurrection, it's amazing what is out there. Yep. And okay, this is really like a a sub point to all this. But I remember being a new believer when I found out that the cities in the Bible, um, throughout the Bible, but right now I'm thinking specifically yeah. the New Testament, these are actual Real. cities that where the Bible says they are. They're still there today. Now, yep. some of them had to be excavated uh, and, and identified, like Ephesus, um, or some are like some are like uh, still functioning today, like Damascus. But I mean, how many people know that that the Bible is not just filled yep. up with fictional stories, with fictional locations? These are actual, yep. real, real places that we have evidence for. Right. I actually, some people really disagree with me on this, but I. <laughs> You might actually even disagree with me on this, but I think part of the issue is when we teach children these things, granted, I didn't grow up as a Christian, so I don't, I didn't experience this. This is me just looking from the outside in, mm-hmm. but most of my Christian friends that I know have been Christians their whole life, and their first introduction to biblical history is Veggie Tales or something, and it's presented to them as if it's a fairy tale. Right. And so how else are they going to take it in? Um so there's so many little things that I just see going on that make me think like, this could be done so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, 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 rather than fairy tales, these are these in the Bible. These are actual factual accounts, yep. and they, like you're saying, they have evidence for them. Yep. Okay, so that's the evidentiary area, and we could talk about that for yeah. a long time. <laughs> So let's move on here to number three, like emotional trauma. There's something in there why people are also leaving the faith. I mean, the first thing that I think of is when you're in some sort of trauma, how much more you need God. But you're saying that some people will leave to unpack that for us. Yeah. Well, so I think it's interesting. For instance, it depends on the person. If they go through a traumatic event, for instance, the birth of my son was a very traumatic event because he was born two months early, C-section, the first thing I, the first moment I saw my son, he was dead. So, mm. right. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. That was pretty traumatic. God got us through it and everything. And But yeah, for you're right. For the typical believer, that actually makes you lean into God more. Um, but for some people, it might make them think, God, where are you? Mm. And then couple that cry out to God with 
what might seem like the hiddenness of God. And then we talk, we can talk about like religious trauma from Christians that impart that as well. You got a whole mess of things, right? So you have a person whose daughter got killed in a car accident. Let's just say that. But the daughter was drinking and driving. Now, I, and this is a real story that I've heard from somebody before. The, the dad was like, God, where was God? Why didn't he save my daughter? Mm-hmm. And then when he went to his Christian brothers and sisters for help, the first thing that they typically said was, well, why was she drinking and driving? Mm-hmm. Rather than being there for somebody that needed help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really traumatic. Not only do you feel hiddenness from God and you feel like God's not there and you feel a little angry at him because he didn't save your daughter, but then all of a sudden the people who are supposed to be your brothers and sisters in Christ, instead of being there for you, are also pointing the finger and being like, well, why was she doing this? Mm-hmm. And it seems like that sort of trauma just makes you want to leave. Um, and I've heard tons of people give me stories like that in the past, which frustrates me a lot. Um, but it also that kind of topic also ties in with like evidentiary issues because of the problem of evil and all these other things, but you get the point. Right. It does seem like this is going to circle up on the problem of evil. Yeah. Yeah. And so being able to give um, an emotional, not an argument, but an, an emotional like crutch to the person and letting them know that you're there for them. God loves them. But also being able to refute the logical side of it. Mm-hmm. It's a very delicate balance if they're in that position. Mm-hmm. Um, is really important to know how to do, and I don't think most people are trained in how to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay, number four: theological issues, doctrinal issues. Yeah. How does this manifest? So, I there was a recent study that came out, and they surveyed, I think it was close to two hundred thousand people that called themselves Christians in America. And these were the two, like, there was a lot of statistics that really stood out to me and worried me, but two really stood out to me. And they were about the Trinity and the incarnation of Jesus. And about 70% of Americans that they, that were Christians, that they called themselves Christians, that answered the survey said Jesus was the, was a created being and wasn't God himself. Hmm. Which you and I both know is mm-hmm. horrible, like, really bad. Right, because it's undermining the incarnation, meaning yep, God incarnate. Union, all these other things. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it seems to me like we just have a bunch of people that don't actually know what we believe in the first place about who Jesus is, who God is. And another one that really stood out to me, which I don't necessarily blame the particular people for not knowing this, because I think the church need to, needs to do a way better job of teaching, is a fundamental misunderstanding of the Trinity. Um, about almost 80% of Christians surveyed believed in some sort of modalism or partial. Why don't you that? Yeah, modalism that. is the belief that God shows himself in different modes, the, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. But that's not an accurate representation of what the Trinity is. Mm-hmm. Um, because the Father then would be changing into the Son, who correct. would be changing into the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would have to change back into right. the Father or the Son. So what you're saying is that all three exist at the same time. Yes, co-equally. And so, and other, and then other people were partialists, meaning if you take this, if you take Jesus out of the Trinity, now you only have two-thirds Trinity. 
or two thirds God, I should say. That's a better way of wording it, right? And so nobody, most people don't even actually have an understanding of the Trinity. If you were going to ask, and if people were like this back in the early church, mm-hmm. they'd be labeled as heretics. Mm. Um, and so when we have these deep theological concepts and doctrines that should be taught and understood on a fundamental level, at least mm-hmm. somewhat, it mm-hmm. seems to me like if I'm somebody that doesn't know proper doctrine and theology and then I'm mm-hmm. starting to question my faith and then I'm like, how can there be a trinity? Mm-hmm. Right? Right. I'll, and every single way I try to word it sounds weird and it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You're going to start, that's just, that's just, is one little chisel point. So what you're saying is, is we have a certain percentage of people probably in the church on every Sunday morning, and they've never had solid teaching on the Trinity. So they just sit out there kind of quietly mm-hmm. thinking, I don't get this Trinity thing. It doesn't seem possible there's three in one, yep. and, and one God, but there are three. Like, And they won't say anything maybe to anybody. Mm-hmm. But over time, this could be like a, cause a tipping point where they start to go down a yep. path then of, well, if I can't understand that and believe that, well, then what about the resurrection? Yep. Or what about all these other issues? And before you know it, we're not heading into deconstruction in a healthy way, which yeah. you explained in our last video, which is really just plumbing the depths to see where truth leads you. What you're doing is filling yourself with a kind of deconstruction where it's just filled with doubts and you're yep. not getting answers and you're adding to your doubts and that yep. one doubt lead, leads to another doubt. So It all compounds on each other. So what you're really saying is, is that it's really the responsibility in the church that leaders are teaching the flock yep. these doctrinal theological things because if they don't, it very likely, at least with some, yep. will lead to an unhealthy deconstruction. Correct. Um, the amount of people that I know, the, the a huge chunk, actually, of people that I know that left the faith, mm-hmm. um, one of their biggest questions is, how can God take on human flesh? Mm-hmm. Which I can't answer in this in this video, obviously, because that would require at least like five hours of me take, taking into mm-hmm. metaphysics and stuff like that. But the whole point being is, the answer is there. It's just... How, how on earth is somebody that's untrained in these things and not taught mm-hmm. supposed to find those answers? Because it's such a niche question, too. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were to Google search, how did, how did God become flesh? You're never going to actually find the answer. Wow. Because so there's so many ex- voices out there, and they're all just saying whatever. When I'm looking through... Uh, so mm-hmm. when I Google... I actually did a Google search just to see. And the majority of the stuff that I found was just more like, well, God just did it. <laughs> but like, it doesn't answer, it, it wasn't an answer. It wasn't mm-hmm. something that would satisfy like the inquisitiveness behind the question. Mm-hmm. And so this, the sources out there are really slim even. Uh, and mm-hmm. so that's one of the things I think the church should be supplying to the congregation right. is this, the, the resources to know these things. Right. You know, um, this might be a little bit of a rabbit trail, yeah, but yeah. I think we got to talk about this a little bit more in that um, I think one of the biggest ones where we're not teaching people doctrine and theology, and it eventually lead because of that, we're not, it's eventually leading people away from the faith. Mm-hmm. And that is the whole topic of sin. Yep. Meaning, what is the overwhelming 
the the dominant discussion in culture right now today. Yep. It's that we're good. And whatever you desire in your heart, God created that you that yep. way, if people are even thinking about God. But God created that way with that desire. Yep. Therefore, you're good. Yep. And what what's going on here is if we're not explaining within the church this the doctrine of sin and then uh, unpacking that so people really get this, that all have sinned and what it actually is and that we're falling short of the glory of God, mm-hmm. why we need to come to faith. It just seems to me that we're so disconnected from answering what's going on in culture, we get swept up into the culture. Yep. Yeah, no, most definitely. I, and I, that goes back to the culture point. What mm-hmm. feels better? Mm-hmm. Being told you're intrinsically good or acknowledging the truth that fundamentally we're flawed and we mm-hmm. seek our own mm-hmm. pleasures and desires versus the things that are objectively good. So what would you say to the pastor that doesn't go down this path of what we would call the biblical truth and mm-hmm. really pick apart these theological and doctrinal issues and the pastor more is like, well, steady as she goes as the ship and don't want to ruffle many feathers. Uh, you know, I want people to have a positive experience yeah. uh, during the church service. Um, I would first stow my frustration. <laughs> <laughs> and I would just, as, as candidly as possible, tell him that, especially as a pastor, right? Somebody who God's given a very heavy burden and responsibility of taking care of the flock that he is taking a very heavy calling to light to light mm-hmm. he's not there to please the flock he's there to bring the flock to god mm-hmm. and by ignoring some of these really important topics he's not losing the one sheep and just keeping the 99 he's losing multiple sheep mm-hmm. and Every single day, one little sheep is going to keep going and going and going and going and going and going hmm. until he's left with nothing. Mm-hmm. No, for what? Just to keep people happy. Hmm. And so, yeah. it, you, the, can, you, you the, can you can hear the frustration, right? Like, right. keep but, the, keep the Sunday morning program going. Yeah, yeah. and so yeah. you get the point. Right. I, I would admonish him to take the duty that he's been given mm-hmm. much hev- more heavy. Mm-hmm. than he is. Right. And admonishing me to strongly encourage. Yes. And so, yeah, I I believe that these are great discussions to have within the church because we don't want people to move into this unhealthy kind of deconstruction. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so these are, the, these are the four areas. All of them are at play. Huge implications for how we function within the church, what we preach on within the church. Is there anything that you want to add to this? Um, I just think, right, we've talked about what the issues are, right? Um, I, this is where I would just say, if you're listening, con- like just meditate on some of these issues that we've just talked about and really consider where you've had opportunities in some of these four pillars mm-hmm. to share the gospel or be a light of gut for God or be salt on the earth for somebody and mm-hmm. think about how you could do it better and because at the end of the day, these four pillars that we've kind of gone over, everybody, I don't care who you are, you've probably gone through it in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure you have. Mm-hmm. I definitely have. Yep. Every single person I know has. Mm-hmm. And so to sit there and ignore it, it and have a more complacent faith, mm-hmm. I would just encourage you to 
take it by the reins and really contend and fight for the faith. Amen. Amen. That's what I like about you, Than. You're always in this apologetics realm. You're always defending the faith mm -hmm. and then you're contending for the faith. Yep. That's awesome. And so, anyway, I think we're going to conclude right there. But if I can suggest, I don't know if it'd be in the next week or two, but at some point, if we could do another one of these yep. on deconstruction, I think we need to talk about the way forward. Yep. Um, these are four key reasons why people deconstruct. But I think there's a long ways to go. Um, you know, I, I, am I right on that? In terms of like, how oh, yeah. do we how do we move forward with? Well, all yeah, this? exactly. There's we there's a lot of work to be done. Mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong. This isn't I. When I say these things, I'm not saying everybody should be studying metaphysics and mm -hmm. history and all science and all these other things mm -hmm. at the level that. I might be doing. I, I don't mm -hmm. expect that from every anybody. Right. We're, we're, we're actually, Than, we're here to glean from you. <laughs> so, because we're not going to. Exactly. I mean, my calling in ministry is different than yours. Exactly. And even me in full-time ministry won't plumb the depths like I'm, you are. But if you can continue to provide what the issues are, how to yep. navigate it, what the truth is, that's where we're going to really benefit from your new Exploring Reality channel. Yeah. And that's why I'm so thankful for the body of Christ because mm. when I'm not I'm not really that good when somebody's having an emotional issue mm. my you come to me with an emotion, emotional problem of evil type of issue and I'll try but I'm not the best at it but I know people that I can point to to the direction of that can actually help you more of a more pastoral mm. thing mm -hmm. that's why I'm so so thankful for more emotionally minded people mm -hmm. and so I would just encourage the emotional person or somebody like you or many of my friends just to know some of these basics so that way if right. you are preaching the gospel to somebody, I have, I have a saying: if you if you're saying you don't need apologetics to preach the gospel, you're not preaching the gospel enough. Hmm. Wow. If you've never been asked a tough question that you can't answer, mm -hmm. you're not preaching the gospel enough. You know what? I just got to say that you know I spent so many years doing campus ministry on university campuses, and what you said is exactly right. And I spent nine of those years at the University of Wisconsin in Madison, Big Ten University, Level One Research School. Mm -hmm. You've got to be able to give people answers that make sense. Yep. Just saying, well, just believe. Even Paul and Apollos <laughs> didn't do that. Yep. Jesus didn't do that. That they're all giving evidence. Now we're back to the evidentiary. Yep. Yep. Um, well, yeah, pitfall. Jesus did give. People don't think about it like this, but Jesus gave evidence through miracles. Mm -hmm. Paul gave evidence through reasoning with the Greeks mm -hmm. in Acts. Yeah, and so yeah. Yeah, I can't wait for your series to come out on the resurrection because you're going to really give cool. like a bunch of evidence on that alone. So, Than, I know you have a lot more in you in terms of not just what we've talked about so far, but really how to move forward on this. We can cut this off at the pass and really see people engage a healthy process yep. in their evaluation of their faith and plumb the depths, come out more positive than ever. Yep. I know parents have kids that are are like either on the fence or going the other way. We want to help everybody. So I yep. look forward to what's coming. And thank you for joining us today on Exploring Reality. We look forward to being with you next time.